Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Aren't adventurers supposed to have a specific purpose? What are you doing on this quest? Just meeting strangers? Yep, my purpose is to have no purpose. Though, I sort of find purpose as I go. My basket! It's missing! I have tried many means of defense, but none have yet proven successful. I just wish someone would succeed in getting that darn sword. I am under attack by this ruffian! I want to be big and strong and fight evil. I have hope that if you show up at her door, she might listen. Want to help me yell at them? With your sword? In a threatening manner? Sidequesting is a fantasy podcast about avoiding the main plot. It follows Ryan, an adventurer who's willing to help just about anyone out, as long as they're not being asked to deal with that scary wizard everyone keeps talking about. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This monstrous yarn story club members might make you check your backyard for monsters. It's one I call the Halloween Club. Are you ready to kick evil's butt? Lonnie asked his friends. Ready as ever, Allison said. You know I'm ready, Kylie said. Then let's do this, Lonnie said. They all donned their Halloween masks, which were gold-painted hockey masks with the initials THC for the Halloween club etched in black letters upon them. Each member wore a dark hoodie, black pants, and carried a pillowcase along with a weapon of choice. Lonnie had a hockey stick, Allison wielded a baseball bat, and Kylie clutched a net. They left the clubhouse, which was a tool shed in Lonnie's backyard. The crew of monster slayers had to clean up their town. It was filthy with monsters, zombies, vampires, werewolves, and chainsaw-wielding maniacs. Just to name a few of the neighborhood night stalkers. The minute they reached the gate to the front yard, a horde of zombies were upon them. Kylie threw the net, rounding up the Walking Dead platoon. Then Lonnie and Allison went to work, pummeling the undead group back underground with their monster-mashing implements. As they struck each of the gargling, teeth-gnashing zombies, they vanished and a score appeared. Nice one, Lonnie said. I'm racking up some serious points for an extra life. In reality, they were all sitting on the couch at Allison's house. Her parents were out until late, so she had her best friends, Kylie and Lonnie, over. They had cans of root beer, bowls of chips, and sacks of popcorn lying around. They banged their controllers on their favorite survival video game, There Goes the Neighborhood, Monster Apocalypse Edition. 
As the self-titled Halloween Club, the three friends racked up some serious street cred in the gaming community. Not if I chalk up the points first, Allison challenged, moving in on Lonnie's zombies. Don't forget about me, Kylie said. She pulled out a super soaker full of Monster Eraser, a bright orange fluid that melted vampires, werewolves, and zombies alike in their collective tracks into a bubbling, translucent goo. Kylie fired and melted the zombies that Lonnie and Allison hadn't already dispatched. Their high scores lit up on screen. Not bad at all. But then, they were hit by a pack of snarling werewolves leaping off rooftops down onto them, and blood-sucking vampires in the form of monstrous bats flapping down from the cloudy October sky. Their animated shadows danced under the light of the fat yellow hunter's moon that hung on the autumnal night. Ow! Lonnie said. He'd been bitten by one of the werewolves in the game, and now his animated player was starting to transform into one of the creatures. Ugh, come on, help me! Before Lonnie could change into a hairy, fanged, nocturnal beast full of shredding claws and bad intentions in the game, Kylie and Allison vanquished him. Lonnie lost a life, but another fresh one shimmered onto screen. Dang it, he said. I gotta be more careful. This is my last life. Lonnie was right. He survived several screens in the last game, until a cauldron of vampire bats descended on him and sucked every drop of blood from his body, instantly turning him into a mummified corpse that blew away his ash into a stiffed wind. Just as they were about to go into town and really get down to business with the bloodlusting undead, the walking dead, and the lupine erectus, the power shut down. Dang it, Allison said. We seriously lost our whole entire game. It wasn't saved. But the kids then quickly realized they had bigger problems than losing their game. Outside, there was a commotion, a howl like that of a wolf, and screams, lots of screams. Allison peeked through the blinds. How was it possible? A horde of zombies shambled through the dark neighborhood, a cauldron of vampires were flying overhead, and a pack of werewolves were taking up the rear. How did this all become real? Somehow, There Goes the Neighborhood Monster Apocalypse Edition had gone from fiction to fact. Kylie and Lonnie saw it too, but it was too late to duck and hide. The prowling monsters had seen the kids peering at them through the window. The friends quickly locked the doors and bolted the windows. Allison's dad was a softball coach, so they had plenty of bats. They were gonna have to defend the house and do it themselves, just like in the game. They were now the Halloween Club, for real. Are you ready to kick evil's butt? Lonnie asked with a quiver in his voice. I don't even know what I'd do in a situation like that where a game I was playing turned real. For me, I hope it would be something like Good Pizza Great Pizza, where all the pizza I was making came to life and begged me to eat it. I certainly could live with that. <laughs> So during our last story club meeting, I gave you a riddle to solve. Do you remember it? It was, how do you know a monster likes you? Ready for the answer? Drum roll, please. Because he asks you to be his ghoul friend. All right, all right. I'm gonna be honest, that wasn't my best riddle, but I'm gonna brainstorm some new brain teasers for you, beloved listeners. Stay tuned this week, and I'll drop a magnificent challenge for you very soon. Hey again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This sinister tale, Story Club members, might make you not want to check your messages. It's called, I Know What You Did Last Sunday. 
Jen Geller was sitting in class on Wednesday morning when her phone chimed with a text. She had to wait until after class to read it, as Mrs. Duncan didn't like her students in her fifth grade class looking at their phones while she was teaching U.S. history. The subject was urban legends, and the teacher was talking various scary legends like the hooked hand and other tales that have lived through history, mostly by word of mouth. When Jen escaped into the bathroom between classes, she pulled out her phone. She didn't recognize the number the message had come from. At first, she thought it might be a spam message to buy sports shoes or makeup products like the dozens of other product-pushing messages that she'd received over the past few months. But no. When she read this text, Jen knew it wasn't spam. And yet, she didn't understand its meaning. It said, I know what you did last Sunday, and then was punctuated at the end by a red-faced angry emoji. What does this even mean? Jen could not remember anything that she did last Sunday, let alone what she had for breakfast this morning. Normally, she would just block the number so she wouldn't receive any texts from that number again, but this one was different. Jen had to know. So she did something that she normally would not do, and something that's definitely not advised. She texted back. Who is this? The two-minute warning bell rang for the next class, so Jen put her phone away and went to Mr. Williamson's class for English. He was talking about the works of Edgar Allan Poe and its effects of gothic horror on world literature, films, and culture. After class, Jen checked her phone again. No response from the anonymous texter with the cryptic message. It was after school when her phone chimed again. The response was the same text as before. I know what you did last Sunday. Except this time, it was punctuated with not one, but three angry-faced emojis. Okay, this was ridiculous, and certainly not a humorous joke. Jen blocked the number, and that was the end of that. Or so she thought. When she got home, Jen asked her little brother, Freddy, if he'd sent the text to her as a joke. He said he hadn't. Freddie was a year younger than her, and his friend, Philip Shivers, was over hanging out and playing video games. Philip said that the person could be dangerous and urged Jen to be careful. The next morning in her locker, there was a post-it note stuck on the inside of the door. In big block letters written with a black felt pen, it said, I still know, with a frowning face under it. Okay, this was enough. Jen took the note to Principal Gillespie and explained what was going on. The principal said it was inappropriate, but probably just a harmless prank. Jen disagreed. It didn't feel so harmless anymore. And what exactly did she do on Sunday? Jen thought back. She got up, went for a long bike ride while listening to an audiobook in her earbuds, had a big lunch, chatted with some friends, had a snack, then binge-watched some shows she wanted to catch up on, and then went to bed. That was it. What did she do that was so wrong? Why was this person bothering her? When she went into the bathroom, there was a message scrawled on the wall with blood-colored lipstick. I know. Okay, there was a clue. It had to be a girl. She was in the girl's bathroom. So, who was her enemy? Well, there was Sarah Prince, who was often mean to Jen for no reason. Maybe it was Sarah? In a strange coincidence, Sarah ambled into the bathroom just then. Maybe to see if she was upsetting Jen successfully? Jen confronted her nemesis and told Sarah to stop sending her text messages. Sarah laughed and said that she didn't know what Jen was talking about and to maybe seek therapy as she was acting completely unhinged. Jen went home. She was distraught. Who the heck was toying with her? Then she found another message. This time, it was on a store receipt for Galecki Bakery. One key lime pie for $12.99. 
The message, in a familiar all-caps black felt marker, said, You owe me. Wait a minute. There was a key lime pie in the refrigerator from Galecki Bakery, which closed its doors last Saturday. When she was binging Netflix, she found the pie and cut a piece. It was so good, she ended up eating the entire thing. So this was what this whole big deal was about? A freaking key lime pie? Just then, she got a Venmo notification for the amount. It was from Philip Shivers. He was demanding that she pay him. The message said that Philip had been saving the pie by putting it in the Geller's refrigerator because his own little brother would have eaten the pie. But Jen had eaten the entire pie he was saving, and this was his revenge. Jen was furious. All this had been from Philip over a stupid pie? Jen threw her phone across the room in frustration. And relief. Okay, beloved listeners, it's totally not cool to taunt people with creepy anonymous messages. Absolutely not cool at all. But if I'm being honest, I'd be super mad if someone stole a mouthwatering pie from me that I'd bought from my favorite bakery. In my case, it'd be a banana cream pie. Somebody who ate all my pie might probably get seriously hurt. <laughs> Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This literary tale, Story Club members, might make you think twice about the dangers of making stuff up. It's one I call the Rage for the Page. This week, Mrs. Hamada said, I'd like you to write in your journals a little every day for a 20-minute period. Write about anything you want, what your day is like, a detailed description about how you make breakfast, maybe some song lyrics or poetry, or you can even try your hand at a story. The sky's the limit. Please just know that I'll be reading and grading your journal based on your participation and the mechanics that we've learned in English class. Oh great, Danny Ruth thought. My life is so boring, and I'm not going to write about what I had for breakfast. Who even cares? Danny was an angry and frustrated boy, but he did have an active imagination. Maybe I'll turn the tables on Mrs. Hamada and write something she can really sink her teeth into. Danny laughed to himself, which made Mary Wilcox, sitting next to him, eye him strangely. Danny hated school, and especially hated doing any kind of homework at all, be it for English, science, or especially, blech, mathematics. But Danny found himself actually loving this assignment once he got into it. For 20 minutes each day in school, he would lose himself in the world he created, feverishly writing down his story in the composition books that the teacher had handed out to be used as journals. 
Danny created the Rage, a cloudy specter who sucked the souls out of teachers and each soul it consumed made it grow larger and stronger. The Rage was created one day down in the science lab when Mr. Carpenter was mixing together some chemicals he shouldn't have been during a full moon. The combination of the chemical compound fused with the light of the October full moon, the Hunter's Moon, had a profound effect. There was a huge explosion, knocking the teacher back. Then a great swirling black cloud drifted up from the broken vials. But it didn't dissipate, no. The cloud seemed to absorb the light from the silvery moon. Then the specter descended upon the science teacher, absorbing him completely. The rage, now bigger and stronger, drifted out into the hall and down the hallway, waiting in the shadows until the next day, where it would pounce again. A search went out for poor Mr. Carpenter, but no one could locate him. It didn't make sense. His coat was on the hook, his car was in the parking lot. It was like he was there at school, but wasn't. In the meantime, more teachers disappeared. Mrs. Craven in mathematics, Mr. Hooper in social studies, and Mr. Cronenberg, the principal. The entire time, the malevolent cloud, the rage, was growing bigger and stronger. It didn't eat any students. Okay, well, maybe a few bullies like Tommy Morasco and Billy Jackson, but it mostly left them alone. It craved the sour souls of teachers. For some reason, they were the sweetest. And the one it wanted to absorb most was Danny's teacher, Mrs. Hamada. It was making its way to her next. I want to see you after school, Danny, his English teacher said, cutting into his imaginative musings. Uh-oh. So, Danny met with Mrs. Hamada after school. She had his journal pages open. It seems you very clearly understood the assignment of writing a story, but this is unacceptable work. You have a giant cloud monster called the Rage eating all of the administration. I find this work a little aggressive, mean-spirited, and I hate to say, totally inappropriate. Danny shrugged. I was just writing a story like you said. I don't know where it came from, it's just how I felt. So you want horrible cloud monsters eating innocent people? That's a bit worrying, Danny. I think I'm gonna need to call your parents for an emergency conference. No, Danny said. Please, not that, Mrs. Hamada. I'll write something else. Let me take it home and I'll write a nice story about an orphaned puppy and kitten who became friends. Mrs. Hamada regarded him, considering his offer. But then, the room grew suddenly dark. The afternoon light that had been shining in through the window was suddenly eclipsed by a great, big, dark cloud that had drifted in and seemed to watch them. It was the rage. It was real. Somehow, in his anger and frustration and scrawling of ink pen on paper, little Danny Ruth had conjured the monstrous cloud, manifested it right out of his mind. The windows shattered and the teacher screamed. If I created it, Danny thought, maybe I can uncreate it. He and Mrs. Hamada hid behind the desk. Danny grabbed the pen he was using and wrote a new ending to the rage story. The monster cloud, full of souls, would gently free everyone trapped within its cloudy bowels and dissipate into the sky, never bothering anyone again. Danny wrote fast and furiously, but could he do it fast and furiously enough? Now, the lesson of this story, beloved listeners, is to be careful what you wish for. Wouldn't you agree? Now, if I was assigned a story by Mrs. Hamada that I was pretty sure would come true, I would write one about a creepy girl named Ivy who hosted scary stories to hundreds of thousands of listeners from her spooky manor at the edge of a roaring sea. And she existed there with every kind of scrumptious food imaginable. Yeah, I like that story. Now, where's my pen? <laughs> well, in all seriousness, I'll have to save my scribbles for later because right now, I owe you some riddle answers. 
I gave you two to solve yesterday. You remember? The first one was, what are a werewolf's favorite days of the year? And the answer is, drumroll please. The Howlidays. Did you get it? What about the second one? It was, after having his teeth cleaned, the werewolf was hungry. What did he eat? And the answer is, the dentist. Did you come up with better answers than the ones I did? Well, after all, this is a club, beloved listeners. And if you have ideas, then feel free to reach out and represent. I really want to hear from you. You can email me at ivy at gokidgo.com. And I'll meet you back here tomorrow for another episode. Because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! You probably think you know fairy tales. Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood. You probably think that they're cute and boring. But the real stories aren't cute and boring at all. The grim fairy tales were weird and sometimes gross and often scary. And in the podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, you can listen along with a group of other kids as I tell them those tales. The episodes are sometimes grim, sometimes grimmer, and sometimes grimmest. But no matter how creepy it gets, we'll always have a great time guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and discussing what these tales mean to us. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.